0: You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitstairs, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Monday, September the 11th. The Indian summer continues in TW11, and the top-class summer of racing might continue a while longer in Europe yet if the last 48 hours of Group 1 glory is anything to go by. Step forward, Auguste Rodin. His CV is starting to look better. For all there have been a couple of notable blips, he was back off the ropes again to win the Royal Bahrain Irish Champion Stakes for Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore. Home game, home team, home win, no surprise there. But what about the away jockeys? More of which in a moment. Moore. And O'Brien on the scoresheet sheet again at Group 1 level yesterday in the national stakes with Henry Longfellow, beautifully bred and a very smart prospect. But why did Sable Companion City of Troy not take his chance in the race? As for O'Brien himself, 4,000 career wins, another of whom came courtesy of Warm Heart in the Group 1 Prix Vermeer. At Longchamp, Fantastic Moon was the other key winner. On the day, should that horse now be supplemented for the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, Warm Hearts jockey was James Doyle. Doyle was out of luck on the heavy favourite Shaquille in the previous day's Sprint Cup at Haydock Park. That race went to regional, a first Group 1 success for Ed Bethel. It wasn't exactly a first top-level success for Dermot Weld, His Highness the Aga Khan and Chris Hayes. In the Matron Stakes on Saturday, Tahira produced an impressive performance. Wins in Ireland for the Visitors too. Eldar Eldarov took the St. Ledger, And Fallen Angel, the Moy Glare, that was a homebred win for Steve Parkin's Branton Court stud for Danny Tudhope and Carl Burke. Moss Tucker sprang a surprise in the Flying Five, while further afield in California at Del Mar... Keep your ears open for a filly called Tamara. She's out of the star mare beholder and she might have every bit of her talent judged on her win in the debutant stakes. But the big news this morning concerns one of the horses that ran in the Irish champion stakes, King of Steel, fourth behind Auguste Rodin. His rider, Kevin Stott, has lost the job as retained jockey to the all-powerful Ammo Racing. I've been speaking to their principal and founder, Keir Durabchin. He'll be along in a few moments' time. First of all, David Yates from the Daily Mirror. David, what's happened here?
1: Okay, well, Kevin Stott was appointed as the number one jockey to AMO Racing in February. Uh, They made a good start. Of course, um, Kevin was aboard Bucanero Fuerte when uh, that horse won the um, Phoenix Stakes to give Kia Gerabchen his first Group 1 win. Uh, It's pretty clear that... He was less than impressed with the, the ride that uh, Kevin Stott gave to King of Steel in the Irish Champion Stakes on Saturday. Indeed, in a an, an RTE interview yesterday, he said King of Steel wasn't given the best chance to win yesterday. Kevin Stott made a couple of mistakes. Um, and uh, the news has followed on from that that he will not be
0: um, renewing the
1: jockey's retainer for 2024.
0: All right, well... I'm recording the show at five past nine on Monday morning. Kevin Stott released this statement on his Insta story and then followed it up in a short statement to the Racing Post, which said much the same, simply that he'd been informed by text that he would no longer be riding for Ammo Racing. Ammo Racing's principal is Kia Gerabchen. He's now in Keeneland, where it is at 4am inspecting yearlings. That's the sale where he bought King of Steel, the horse who finished fourth to August road in the Irish champion stakes. Um, Kia, many people will be wanting to know after what's been a pretty productive season, group one winner. Um, and success elsewhere, Derby runner-up, why your relationship with Kevin has, has come to an end?
2: Well, hi, Nick. Um, I guess good evening and good, and good morning. Um, yes, so, you know, I think Kevin and I just had a fantastic year together. Um, he's a great writer. I respect him a lot and there are things that, you know, are not really for the public um, behind the scenes that go on that people don't really understand. And when you weigh everything up, I think, you know, we had signed a one year contract. Um, Champions weekend obviously is coming to a finale and it's the end of the year pretty much the season goes by and uh we just informed him that we won't be renewing the contract any further um and i think you know i don't really want to divulge too much into this um but there are reasons beyond racing that i have made that decision and it's for the better of the team and it's for the better of him and uh you know, we had a one-year contract. He did a great job. And I will forever be cheering him on. So it's
0: not specifically related to the ride on King of Steel, which, I mean, you, you said you weren't happy with it and you thought he'd made a couple of mistakes. You said that on telly. It's not to do with his ride on King of Steel.
2: No, I don't. You never judge someone by one ride or one, or one performance. Um, you know, we've had a little bit of a turmoil during the year with things that have occurred Um, I don't really want to get into it and I've had you know other trainers and situations that have occurred that have not been very you know it's it's been difficult for me to to deal with and I just decided that this is the moment to part ways because we don't need to re, we don't you know we don't need to go through a lot of turmoil neither for him nor for the guys that are in my team. Um, Keir, have you got anybody else in mind
0: for a job, a retained job? Indeed are you going to have a retained jockey?
2: No, for the rest of this year we don't. I mean I have, you know, I, I respect Kevin very, very much and you know he's been an integral part of the building of Ammo and you know we had great success with him in terms of our first group one we won multiple groups with him um of course we won Royal Ascot with both Rosa and Kevin and you know we've had a great season but sometimes things that don't quite are or don't are not really revealed in the public domain create a situation yeah. and uh I think Kevin knows that, and we know that, and sometimes it's best, you know, we always decided that it would be a one-year contract, not longer, and, you know, we haven't really done anything other than just say, okay, thank you very much, and the year is over, and that's the end of that. Uh,
0: Are you you in any way worried that people will go, oh, God, this guy, Kia, he just keeps running through these jockeys? If they're offered a job, I don't don't want to really ride for him, because I think I might lose it in six months eight months ten months time does that does that weigh on your mind or do you look at things from a very kind of business like almost football minded type of way where that revolving door is much more normal than perhaps it is in an owner jockey relationship
2: well which jockey have we had a problem with
0: well I mean I guess if you had if you had a, a relationship with Ross Ryan, which was on then off then on again and now obviously you get on extremely well and he speaks um, he speaks never, very warmly of you i had a problem
2: with Ross Rosa is a part of my family. I have said that from the very first day. I will always say that. And he wrote for me in Royal Ascot. He writes, he wrote Bacanero to win the group too. You know, he's been a very, very close part of our team. He's an integral part of how Amos started and where it's come to. And I've never, ever had a bad thing to say about Rosa. But then Rosa, where else have you seen us ever fall out with anybody?
0: But I suppose you've had like two major, two major stable jockeys. And as you say, you don't really want to go into the reasons why relationships don't work out and what have you. It's just a question of whether, whether you you at some point think, well, hang on a minute, I'm running out of options here. If that's what I want to do. And that's
2: my question. My question question falls back to you. Who have I fallen out with?
0: Well, it doesn't really matter, though, whether you've fallen out with anybody. Because it's just it's a question it's a question of it's a question of perception, isn't it? You
2: meant to this moment, right? Not, oh, no. You just made a statement saying, you know, you've had you've had stable jokies and you're going to run out of options. I say, who who have I fallen out with?
0: But the thing is, it doesn't really matter whether you've fallen out with anyone or not. I know I'm not tr- trying to turn this into an argument. I'm just saying I know what people will say. They'll say, right, this guy this guy likes to keep things moving, and if things aren't going right, then he will take he will take decisive action. What I was more interested in is whether
2: in who but you know you know just to, to make a statement like that you have to have something to back it up with right with all due respect and i'm not exactly sure who we're referring to here because rosa as i said to you from day one last year this year you know he's an integral part of ammo he always has been you know my entire family loves him we're all very very close to him and he's a very part and he's a very big part of our team and always has been and I think Royal proved that and Kevin came on this year and he's done a fantastic job it's not like we said okay we're firing him contract was for the year we're just not renewing no I, like, I, think, further, I
0: think I think that's think, I think that's you know, what, what I'm that's getting at here I think what I'm getting at is 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 not a question of antagonism or unpleasantness or falling out with people or being difficult or anything like that is simply more an interest, an interested question about the way that you run the operation and that maybe um, you know, racing is qu- is quite a, a an odd outlier in terms of the way that it, it, its participants interact with each other. Maybe you see things in a maybe you see things in a slightly different way, in a slightly more in a slightly more clinical way. Maybe right, these results aren't working, or that's not working. Maybe we switch it up here. I, I'm, that's simply what I was drilling down into.
2: Not at all. I mean, I just I feel like yes, you know, bad horses don't need to be with good trainers. They need to be moved because you're just wasting your time, and the trainers are just being put under pressure for no reason. And other than that, I haven't lost a single trainer. I haven't, you know, walked away from any trainer. I don't have, I haven't fallen out with any trainer. I haven't fallen out with any jockey. And I've only had Rosa who, after his first years of apprenticeship and he came into professional, he was my stable jockey at a very young age. And I gave him a fantastic start to his career and I'm supporting him forever um he always has an open door with me and kevin left uh kevin ryan and was freelance and actually it was on your show that i saw him and um i offered him the job for the year he took it and he did a fantastic job and that's the end of that i'm not sure where this kind of you know i don't mind if somebody wants to make an image But there is no ruthlessness. There is no, oh, by the way, you know, we don't want this guy because he hasn't performed. Not at all. In fact, the message I sent him was, your performances have been great and you will always be a very integral part of Ammo and the growth of Ammo.
0: So again, a bit like Ross Ryan, you'd be happy to use him again in different circumstances.
2: Sure. I mean, I've never, you know, I don't have any issue with Kevin. I think he has been fantastic for us. You know, there are issues beyond
0: mm, No, I've
2: made my decision, you know, for this. And it's for the best of my team. It's not really just me. It's not a decision for me. You know, I do have a team. I do have a team of trainers. I do have, you know, different levels of horses. And I just believe that occasionally, these things happen. You know, if you look through, I think, you know, Andrea parted ways with Obeyed and, you know, there are many, many, many situations that have occurred over the last year, even as far as Frankie parting ways with Golsan for a while. You know, these things happen in racing, but we haven't parted ways for any reason other than the fact that the contract has come to an end. Um,
0: Do you know where King of Steel is going to run next
2: I don't if you ask me I'd like to go to the Breeders' Cup but perhaps Champion Stakes you know the English Champions um, Weekend in Royal Ascot you know Breeders' Cup Classic or Breeders' Cup Turf I think he can do any of those um, and probably you know we'll have one more run into him if he's fitting well within himself and that's a decision for roger varian and not for me
0: kia durabchin the principal of ammo racing uh, david yates from the daily mirror was listening to that uh, longer and in more detail than i was anticipating when i put the call in this morning david but um how did you find how did you find that interview
1: i, I thought it was interesting uh particularly the the sort of confrontation almost between uh the pair of you at the end there um I think that th- there's obviously one part of it that I have no knowledge about and therefore don't intend to make any comment on, and that is the stuff that's gone on uh, behind the scenes. What one can only say is how this looks uh, from the perspective that we have. Um, I think that in any relationship, it- it's all very well to say someone's doing a great job and that you will forever be cheering them on. Um, but if essentially in you know, tabloid or even legal terms. You're sacking them, i.e., by not renewing their contract. Then I, I think that uh, the the conclusion that one draws, or the 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 phrase that springs to mind, is actions speak louder than words. Um, I think for you, you made the point of in that interview that um, Keir Dyeraption comes from a background which is uh, much more. Uh, mercenary, and that is football, that we know there is absolutely no sentiment in football that that managers and players uh, come and go. Um, I think that what he has in Ammo Racing is um, a relatively nascent project that has has already achieved big things. Group victories, now Royal Ascot victories, Group 1 victories. Um, I think when you're trying to attract a jockey in the future though and again this this doesn't just apply specifically to um kia drabchen and ammo racing but it's it's more a, a or it's as much a general comment and if you have a reputation for some having something of a revolving door um you're very likely to attract uh a mercenary who sits in the job for as long as they can, probably builds into the contract a decent size payoff uh when things go wrong. Remember that this relationship has, what are we, February? So that's the second month to the uh, eighth month. This th- this relationship has lasted six months. Ross Orion's relationship with um Kia Jorabchen has lasted longer than that. He was appointed in 2020. Then he revealed in uh, August of last year that he wasn't going to be retained and there was a bit of a will he won't he. Of course, Ross Orion, as Kia Jorabchen said, and I I did uh, just refer to the action speaking louder than words. And and in fact, of course, he has still employed Ross Orion uh, to partner Ammo Horses. But just to return to that former point, um, you can... You can try and attract a jockey who buys into the long-term project of sort of incremental success of an ownership venture uh, like Ammo Racing, or you can attract a mercenary. Um, Keir Drabchen's background is in football, and he'll be well familiar uh, with, for example, a football club like Watford. Uh, they th- Their managers come and go. That is a revolving door. Any manager who takes over at Vicarage Road knows very well that... They're not building into a long-term mm. project. That the the chances are that when when things start to go wrong, they will be out the door. Yeah. So again, th- I I know nothing of the um uh, of what's gone on uh, behind the scenes, but certainly from uh, a perspective outside looking in. That's how it looks to me,
0: and that's the one. That's and that's really what I was trying to stress to him that this is how this will be perceived. But did you not get the strong feeling that he a wanted to have the opportunity to really stress that he's not some kind of ruthless cutthroat who's dropping people at will? I, I I felt very strongly he wanted to put put it across that that's not what he was, even if that's how he's going to be perceived. And secondly, that he was he was keen to stress the point that. Whatever it is that's gone on personally behind the scenes, whatever issues there have been in terms of personnel management there, um are a more important factor uh, in this split than the ride on King of Steel or the ride on Buccaera Fuerte or whatever it might be.
1: yeah, I, I, I think I, I think it's also worth stressing, Nick, that in the Ross Orion case, when they when they split contractually, Kia Dyerabjian said, I-, "I think the world, you know, the 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 language of being part of my family and stuff like that. It's almost like a script from The Godfather or something." But in 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 his favour, Kia Dyerabjian has been good to his word. He said, "I I still think of him as part of the family, and I will use him in the future." And that's exactly uh, what he's done. So it may well be that Kevin Stock, despite not having uh, a contract uh, to rely on, will. Uh, continue to ride for key attraction there's one more point that i would like to make though and that is that um we have had how many months now of the the frankie de Tory farewell tour um a few and enough big uh group one successes uh that have gone with it one of them which wasn't a group one but which was uh is it britain's um most valuable handicap, the Ebor, after Absurd's win uh, on the Navesmeir, Willie Mullins, the trainer, said that Frankie is riding like a man without pressure. Now he's not the first person to make that observation, but I think all of us have thought, well, you know, we we know we know that horses are sensitive creatures with a huge uh, artificial intelligence, and that it that that there is something that Dottori is doing at the moment, which is. Which is special, and many many horsey people think that that is informed by the fact that Dottori knows he's in his last year and he's he's completely relaxed when he rides. Well, the the opposite side of that coin is that if you are a jockey or a sports practitioner or indeed any one of us, if someone says to you, Nick, and you know, I, I don't. You're as as composed a broadcaster as I've ever worked with. If someone says to you, get this link right now, or it's the last time you work for us, there is a load of pressure that's heaped on your shoulders. I must not get this wrong. If in the situation, as I say, it doesn't have to be Kevin Stott as a jockey. It can be any one of us. If we feel that if we mess up on this, then we won't be in the job uh, for... Uh, for, for any any longer that impacts on right. our ability to perform
0: all right yeah good point so uh, it begs the next obvious question which is did he mess up for want of a better phrase on king of steel in the Irish champion stakes
1: yeah th- th- there can't be any doubt that uh the jockeys who were further back erred um And it's all very well. I know people in my position will say, oh, if he had, if they had the chance again, which is a mealy mouth way of putting it, but there has to be in any, um, analysis of tactics in, in any sport, there has to be a, a yin and a yang, if you like. Um, I I was watching the race live with somebody who turned to me and said, I would want to be on Ryan's tail. I would want to be on Ryan Moore's tail. Now, obviously, he's attended by two stablemates, but after a furlong and a half, he settles onto that lovely position on the rail. Uh, He's got cover, but he's racing prominently. And I, I feel that, Again, if if you're uh, perhaps a jockey who doesn't have massive experience, if I had been a jockey in that race and I didn't have massive experience of riding at Leopardstown, the first colours I would have looked for would have been those those of Auguste Rodin. And I'd have thought, right, okay, he's there. As soon as you can, get on his tail. And, and I do think that, you know, I, there is... Um, in 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 the racing media, there is a uh, there's a reluctance to to criticise, which I don't really understand because we all make mistakes, we're all human, and we all are. And but I think that in this uh, situation, then if Ryan Moore gave August Rodin an exceptional ride, then those who were further back, King of Steel, Kevin Stott, Nashua Hollydor, yes, I, I think they were in error.
0: All right, Ryan Moore didn't have to work too hard to win the. Um, national stakes on Henry Longfellow, but before the weekend, certainly we on this podcast thought that he would be riding City of Troy. Now the ground changed yesterday, so Aidan O'Brien took City of Troy out, and Ryan Moore switched to Henry Longfellow. I'm really hoping fervently, as the chairman of the City of Troy fan club, Dave, that that is just because the ground was a bit softer than than they wanted for City of Troy, and not that he wasn't hundred percent. Because um, I'm very excited to see him again, and I hope I do. Sooner rather than later. The
1: ground was good to yielding uh, for the national stakes. It, it's an interesting one, this, particularly when you think that um, cast your mind back to last October when August out ran on really quite difficult ground in the futurity at Doncaster. And afterwards, connections, A- Aidan O'Brien said, Yeah, we we did have misgivings about the ground, but and and you know, he wasn't at his best on it, but we decided to run. I don't think that many people would think that good to yielding is by any uh stretch an extreme of ground. I'll just, just read you what what the trainer said um to uh the racing post. City of Troy ran on similar ground at Newmarket in the superlative stakes. He'd been off a long time. So that was uh since the second Saturday in July and was going to improve the run. Sometimes soft ground can take its toll on a horse who might improve the run. We know Henry would we knew Henry would handle the ground and he'd run only a few weeks ago. Uh, I'd made a promise to the lads. We wouldn't run City of Troy on soft ground. It's good to yielding. Uh, so we had to be true to our word. Ryan was adamant it was closer to soft than good to yielding. Okay, well, that clears that up. Um this horse, Henry Longfellow, quickens, even though his dam won up to a mile and a half. He just took off. We'll see what happens, but that might be his last run of the season. I imagine City of Troy is the more likely of the two to run again this season. And if you look at the the anti-post markets, uh, particularly for the, the Group 1 races at Newmarket in the autumn, City of Troy is 3-1 to favourite for uh, the Jew, uh, for, for the uh, middle park and he's the sixth 4 favourite for the Dewhurst 1 over 6 of course 1 over 7 I should point out that you're slightly speaking with forked tongue there because I'm sure that what's at the for- forefront of your mind was your bet uh, with Jane mm-hmm. Mangan. Yeah, about Ilang Ilang well, and City of I, Troy, I, and we won I, I took, in a Group I, One race first.
0: I wasn't on. I really wasn't um, particularly tuned in yesterday, so I just I I, list, I was in the car and I had to listen. Ring up for a commentary on Ilang Ilang. I took no pleasure in in her defeat at all because I'm not that sort of person. Um, and then I was waiting for City of Troy to win, not realizing he'd been taken out, uh, and then switched on the race to find out uh, Henry Longfellow winning by by miles. Anyway, he looks a. I, a, a I just marker. wonder
1: whether. I just wonder whether, when by the time we get to the uh, end of the year in December, you two might just be splitting a, a bag of chips outside yeah. the
0: Cartier Awards. It's the old, um, it's the old Golden Arches. I'm afraid for Jane, and uh, and we'll be going Dutch. All right. So that aforementioned race, where the Aidan O'Brien-trained Alang Alang was one of his a m- m- rare disappointments over the weekend, went the way of the visitors to Fallen Angel, homebred winner for Steve Parkins Clipper Logistics, bred at his Brantham Court stud. In Yorkshire, from the first crop of too darn hot, and ridden by Danny Dudhope in those famous silver silks, we spoke to Joe Foley, who manages the interests uh, of Steve and of Clipper Logistics a few weeks ago. And we can check in with him again. How big a moment was this, Joe? Uh,
3: thanks, Nick. This was a very, very big moment, you know, for Steve and his family and and his farm. You know, we've set up the farm uh, where Steve and they live uh, in Yorkshire there, and uh, you know, this is the first Group on, on winner. To be bred on the farm. Interestingly, we had two group winners from the farm uh, because we bred the Serena Stakes winner as well on Saturday from from Branton. So, uh, magic uh, to win the Mygler, a race with such tradition, uh, with Fallen Angel out of Agnes Stewart. Agnes Stewart was one of Steve's uh, early best fillies. She won the Mayhill and second in the Phillies mile. She was one of Steve's favourites. And to uh, produce Fallen Angel out of her and to win the Mygler was a big moment for, for Steve and for everybody. Uh,
0: are you are you all minded to to go round again with her this season, or is, is that enough for for twenty
3: twenty three? We've had a big conference call this morning. Um, I'd say we're sort of 60-40 not going to run her again uh, this year obviously the Phillies mile is there she's favoured for that um, but it brings her later into the season it's stretching her to a mile which she, we're, we're all happy we've no problem with but you know, now that she's won the mile she's a group one winner um, she's had four runs this year we think she's going to be hopeful sorry we hope we, uh, she's going to be uh, a better three year old so uh, whether we give her a fifth run in a Phillies mile into October, I'm not sure. I'd say we might just leave her uh, and head for a Guineas next year.
0: Good stuff. Joe, thanks so much.
3: Well done, Nick. Thanks. Bye.
0: Joe Foley there, uh, who marshals the interests of Steve Parkin's Clipper Logistics and Brampton Court Stud. huge win for them in the Moyglare, and mention of the fact that they also bred the winner of the Sirenia Stakes at Kempton Park, leads me to remind you of the victory at Kempton of Bay Bridge, who was most impressive in the September stakes, dispatching Candleford and Max Vega? Okay, he'll need more than that to win an arc, but he raced much more kindly. He drew right away. It was a smart performance under Richard Kingsco for Sir Michael Stout in the colours of James Wigan. Maybe he will be a big player in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. Maybe the rather unheralded trio of winners of yesterday's official arc trials at Longchamp will be also. Plaster Carousel for André Fab was impressive in the Prix Foix. In the pre verme James Doyle, as I said, on the score sheet again for Aidan O'Brien with warm heart. And very impressive in the Qatar pre-Niel. Fantastic Moon, the German derby winner, who would need supplementing. But René Pichulek, the man who rode Torquato Tasso, could yet win another arc if they decide to take that route. And what a job Sarah Steinberg has done with Fantastic Moon, Dave. The
1: arc trials used to have a, um, a much... Uh, more prominent presence, I think, in the in the the British racing media. It was routine for people to travel to Longchamp and watch those because they really would impact on uh, the market for Europe's middle distance championship. That isn't the case uh, anything like as much these days because there is competition uh, from Ireland in, in in the case of this weekend. And yeah, warm hearts. I, I suspect is not going to go for the arc that uh, that the the Breeders' Cup remains the plan for her. Things certainly didn't go right at the start or indeed nearing the finish uh, for James Doyle's mount. But um, as compensation for the defeat of uh, Shaquille in the Sprint Cup at Haydock on Saturday, uh, that was um, a warming victory for the jockey. And and as you say, the the pair are now two from two after the uh, Yorkshire Oaks. Fantastic moon, I thought was pretty impressive. There seemed to be um, a little bit of debate. The horse is owned by quite a big syndicate, isn't he? The the, the German Derby winner. And they were saying uh, Liberty Racing 2021. They were saying afterwards that they weren't sure uh, whether they were going to supplement for the arc. Well, I I, I would certainly be inclined to because I thought that he was pretty impressive yesterday. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, Place du Carousel, uh, trained by André Faber. He he got pretty uh, big quotes for the arc on August I'm oh, sorry on October the 1st I think he can be backed at 25s possibly even 33s but um, we shouldn't forget that Andre Fabra remains the master in this race and uh, he would be worth his place in life but I, I agree with you that um it was a that was a really interesting card yesterday the the sad thing is certainly it it shows newspapers i'm afraid in our worst light when there is that uh the a, a finite space that you have to write about uh the sport and obviously the the top billing yesterday had to go to what was going on in ireland but it was certainly interesting uh the uh, the trials card yesterday
0: and if Warm Hearts' victory in the Preval May was very much the highlight of the weekend for jockey James Doyle and another Group 1 win for Aidan O'Brien, then the low light for Doyle was the performance of Shaquille in the previous day's Betfair Sprint Cup at Haydock Park. That race went to regional. First Group 1 success for Ed Bethel, ridden by Callum Rodriguez. Wonderful moments for them. A big price second and third should have been a ring and believing. But really, all eyes were on Shaquille and why he didn't fire. And Julie Camacho this morning... Uh, has updated me on how he is
4: he's having all the tests done this morning being scoped and everything else but nothing nothing that we've seen as as yet anyway but obviously they all have to be analyzed and yeah no we're we're all in the dark a bit
0: D- was there anything that james said after the race that gave you any kind of a clue at all
4: no he just just said there was no no just nothing there
0: just no spark no spark at all?
4: He, you know, he was, beat, he was just beaten too far out for there to be, I don't know. I honestly, you know, we're, we're at a massive loss, to be honest. You know, if he'd got beaten, you know, for the last furlong or something, he said, oh, you know, maybe he's going to scope badly. Or, But he was beaten. He said there was just nothing there.
0: And, and the irony, you know, when he went for him and- yeah, I was going to say the irony of it was that he actually got away quite, quite well for him
4: absolutely and you know people said oh he did too much well that, I don't agree with that at all you know if you can give horses six lengths in the July Cup and beat them better horses you know and you jump on terms with them he wasn't doing too much at all you know I know everybody has their own theories and that but we just don't have any at the moment I'm afraid
0: well, I guess you've been in this game long enough to know you just have to kind of go dr- go back to the drawing board and, and, and hope for the
4: best Sometimes, sometimes you don't get any answers and that's the most frustrating part of it you know, you know, if we get answers, we, we'll let everybody know, we'll be transparent and let everybody know. But at the moment, we're at a loss. He seems fine. He came home, ate up, went out in the paddock, fine. Yeah, he just seems just seems his normal self.
0: Well, that's that's the good news. Um, Julie, I'm sorry it didn't work out uh, Saturday. Thanks as ever for keeping us up to speed.
4: No problem. Cheers, Julie. All right, cheers. Bye. Oh.
0: Julie Camacho there with an update on Shaquille. Uh, There will be horses who don't get the amount of airtime that they ought to on today's podcast. Tahira, probably chief amongst them. She remains a very good filly. She was impressive in the matron stakes. Uh, Moss Tucker, that was a terrific triumph for, for his connections in yesterday's Flying Five at the Curra, in which all the big guns really disappointed. Art Power, Highfield Princess, Bradsell, they all finished in a heap. Art Power kind of dragging them to the stand side in a slightly weird race. Highfield Princess was reported to have coughed afterwards, and we are give a nod to Eldar Elder because for all it was a small field for the Irish St. Ledger. Yeah, Kiprios came back and finished second. And for David Egan, the winning rider, it meant an awful lot.
1: Yeah, indeed. It it was it was David's first victory um in his homeland, I, I believe. Um he said that obviously he'd he'd grown up um across the road there, being the um the uh, son of Sandra Hughes and John Egan. And um, this was a, a, a very popular victory. Um, you know, regular listeners to the Nick Luck Daily will know that I'm, I'm a huge fan of David Egan. I, I think that he conducts himself in exemplary fashion uh, and he's got a very uh, settled and a very wise head on his young shoulders. And, and I was really, I, I thought this was a warming result. Um, Kiprios was really strong in the market, went off at six to four on and, um, and i think they'll have been pleased enough with uh, the performance of the the defending champion of course uh, on his cv wins at uh, royal ascot in the gold cup the uh, the goodwood cup and the, the Prix de cadron as well um i think they'd have been pleased enough without doing handsprings he'll now go to ascot for the um the the 2-miler the there and obviously you know he'll he'll rate as as one of the horses to beat but there didn't seem to be any uh, obvious excuses yesterday. I felt that Eldar Elderoff was, uh, I thought he was having a port and lemon in the last chance saloon yesterday for for my money. Um, I thought that he'd been beaten, well, a few times, three times this season and when, when I was hoping that he might do better. Um, but he got it done yesterday and is clearly a, a, a really high-class stare when things fall right. And has got a, well, he, he's got one classic and an Irish St. Ledger on uh his uh cv now and i think you know what i mean by that
0: okay and what about the st ledger the race that elder elder of one last year takes place this saturday i think this is a cracker not for the first time in recent years maybe the best classic of the season dave
1: yeah i, I, I don't think it's the, the the highest quality classic of the season but i think from a from a betting and from a stories uh point of view it's really interesting um there are there are several lines here that if one of them comes off, uh, will will give us a uh, should give this race a really good show. Uh, the better uh, the the head of the betting is Gregory. Of course, it would be a, a first classic for Vatnan Racing, and it would be a last classic for Dottori. Uh, that drum has been beaten quite a bit over the last few months it's a bit tatty now but it's still got to go on for a few more months but nevertheless if Dottori wins his final classic uh, that's big news but not as big as Desert Hero of course the William Haggis trainee running in the colours of the King and Queen um, successful at Glorious Goodwood in the Gordon Stakes that was on the back of a a victory at Royal Ascot which itself uh, was big news and that horse has to go there with a really strong chance. I think he'll stay um, the extended mile and six. He's certainly on an upward curve. He's in the right hands, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting this weekend. Uh, John Gosden's got possibly four runners, more likely uh, two or three I, fast ground at Doncaster. And I, I suspect that a rest. Uh, will go elsewhere from a punting perspective what did you make of the great voltager when Continuous came from the back Gregory set the pace Continuous ended up winning and and Gregory ran uh, third that day John Gosden said he was really happy with the the way uh, that his horse had performed, others I thought uh, perhaps didn't share those opinions, so was Continuous flattered, was Gregory disadvantaged can Desert Hero uh, take that step from group three company to classic level to give uh the royal colors a first classic success since 1977 would it be
0: Dunfermline?
1: yeah in the in the in the same race so and that would be you know with the, you and i often talk about the the sort of crossover when when racing breaks outside of the the confines of the the racing pages of the sports pages well being no doubt that. If Desert Hero wins the uh, Betford St. Ledger on Saturday, then those colours will be splashed
0: all over the front pages of Sunday's paper. I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. Well, you might have heard a, a few weeks ago me talking to Tony Lacey about the Keeneland September sale, which by volume is the largest horse sale in the world. And it's it's going to be no exception this year. I'm really pleased to welcome in Mark Taylor from Taylor Made. Uh, he's 433 lots in the sale. I, you, don't adjust your set, 433 lots. Uh, they've been leading consignor 24 times. Um, my, I, I almost struggle to get my head around, around that number, but this is a, an incredible operation that you built up. Just tell me, tell me where it all started.
5: Well, you know, my brother Duncan uh, started the farm in 1976 when he was still a student at the University of Kentucky. Uh, but just a little further background, you know, my father was the general manager at Gainesway Farm, um, for 40 years. And, uh, John Gaines, who of course, you know, pioneered the Breeders' Cup and the Kentucky Horse Park and the NTRA, was a very visionary person. Um, he was all, he was a very good, uh, friend to our family and he was always supporting my dad and my dad, that they were like, in some ways, like siblings, you know, they were about seven years apart, but... Mr. Gaines never wanted a lot of outside mayors on Gainesway. And so as their stallion roster grew, and it was huge, I mean, it was, you know, mid-50s, um, you know, and they had some great European stalwarts they had brought over, like Lesch and Groom and Vaguely Noble and Leafard and Green Dancer, um, you know. So um, anyway, Mr. Gaines was like, hey, if Duncan's trying to get started, uh, people are always calling, wanting to send their mayors here that they're breeding our stallions. You know, send Duncan a couple help him help him get started, and so that really kind of launched it. And um, Mike Shannon was Duncan's partner in the early years, and then Mike finally went off and did his own thing. Um, but anyway, that, that's how it started. And then my dad, uh, big Catholic family, we had eight kids. I'm the youngest, so I always say it was the Catholic Human Resource Program. Um, <laughs> my parents just kept having kids until they figured they had all the jobs covered and all the work uh, was taken care of. So. Um, as each brother got out of school or whatever, we just joined in and um, there was no real master plan, but we just figured out where we each fit and, and we've managed to um, to work together.
0: So where did you fit? Where did the youngest fit?
5: Well, I really didn't know that for a long time. And it was a source of a lot of anxiety when I was away at school and stuff. I was like, well, you know, I really don't know where I'm going to fit because it seems like all the important jobs are kind of taken. So. Um, I decided to go work on the racetrack for a while, uh, thought about being a trainer, realized I really didn't like that nomadic lifestyle, but I loved my time doing that. Went to Dubai for a while when Dubai was just getting going, and Sheikh Mohammed was building that up, and that was a great learning experience. And then when I came back, I was like, well, um, you know, I'm just going to jump in here. And I was the yearling manager for for a while, and then we got into stallions which caused a shift. All my brothers had to rotate. My brother Ben went to the stallions. Duncan kind of became CEO. Frank was doing the boarding. And so I just slid into the sales as the natural because that was kind of that was something I was always into is, um, you know, the sales, the consignments, customer service, that kind of thing. So it just it all just kind of kind of worked out. We didn't we never really planned it out that way, but it, it has worked out well.
0: So leading consigner, as I said, over two dozen times, you know, this year's draft is is huge. Just tell me about the, the ownership of, of that draft and how varied it is and where that client base is coming from.
5: Well, you know, I always tell people that we're just as good as our customers. And fortunately for us, we have really incredible customers. So, you know, if you go down through book one, it's really kind of the who's who of breeders and book two, you know, there's... Um, there's, you know, Aaron and Marie Jones, uh, the Alba family who own half of Not This Time. Some people may not be aware of them, uh, European audience, but they own half of Not This Time very successful racing, and now they're getting more into breeding. Um, you know, you've got Breeze Easy Stable, who um uh is owned by Mike Hall. Unfortunately, um his partner Sam passed away this year. Um, but that they've got an incredible breeding program. We've got several gunrunners into mischiefs for them. Coolmore uh, supports us. You've got Osama Abagazali. You've got Don Alberto. You've got uh, JFB Stable, Koto Grove, uh, Joe Minor. It's, it's just that we're really breast. Stone Street, Siena Farm, Three Chimneys, Windstar, um, you know, it's the who's who the best breeders in America and, and some of the best breeders in the world, um, trust us with their, with their horses. And so it's really just our job to, uh, put on the show, use our network to make sure the exposure is right, help them set, um, intelligent reserves that fit their risk tolerance. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple formula, really.
0: And get the horses there, looking absolutely shipshape and ready to shine under the under the lights in that famous Keeneland sale ring. I mean, clearly, when you've got that many clients, that many horses going through this sale, you're probably loath to to pick you know a handful out. But which are the ones that are that are going to get the most interest? Which are the ones that are, gar- are going to garner the most headlines? Do you think?
5: Well, there's an interesting colt that I think is um, you know kind of a, a house. Favorite um, because he, he grew up here. Um, and it's an end colt mischief cult out of Serengeti Empress. So, mm. you know, obviously, you know Serengeti Empress. She's, we've sold 133 grade one winners. I don't think any of the fillies or mares we've sold were faster than her. I mean, she was brilliant speed, but could carry it two turns. She won the Oaks. She won the ballerina. Um, very sound. She retired sound, not a pimple on her legs um, after an incredible career. And, and her first ball is a really striking colt. Um, you know, the one thing I would say um, this year that we've tried to put more of an emphasis, and I think Keeneland has too, on the physical horse. There was a bad trend developing for a while where people were a little hesitant about book one. They thought, oh, that's only for the AP Indies. It's only for the Stormcats. It's only for the Tappets or the End of Mischiefs. And so... Um, you know, there was saturation among the sire population, right? I mean, nobody wants to go into a book and there's only, you know, 15 sires represented and there's, you know, uh, 20 of each one of them. So what we've tried to do is find really good individuals um, by sires that we think are very commercial and are very well respected, but they don't have to be the ones standing for 150,000. So back to my original question, you know, we've got like a volatile filly for, Uh, three chimneys. She may not be the most expensive horse we've had in book one, but she's a stunner and she's got a beautiful pedigree and she's very nice. Um, We've got, um, you know, an authentic that is uh, owned by town and country, just a a superstar individual. Um, You know, that Serengeti Empress that I, that I mentioned. Um, So there's really this uh, wide variety of Of horses, you know, we've got several Curlins in here. A nice filly we raised on our farm out of Special Relativity, big two turn Oaks looking filly. Um, There is a, and then not this time is an interesting. You know, he's our stallion here. He stood for one hundred and thirty five thousand, and so you know we've got a half dozen not this times in book one, and he's a horse that's sort of he had a few last year. But historically, he has not had the mare support to really justify being in book one. So this is the first crop where he's finally got that support. We've got a um, three-quarter sister, three-quarter brother to grade one winner Juju's Map. Um, That's by not this time. That's just a beauty. We've got – he throws lovely horses. And so we've got uh, a bunch of them that are really nice. Um, China Horse Club, we've got a beautiful constitution. We sold a constitution for them last year for a million seven, and this is the full sister. So um, anyway, I kind of went on a rant, but we've got really too many nice horses to to mention them all, but it's <laughs> I feel like we're stuck. You've done a great job, uh, and I,
0: I really thank you for your time, Mark. Thanks so much, and, and all the best for, for a very productive sale.
5: Okay, thanks a million, Nick. Appreciate it.
0: Mark Taylor from TaylorMade. And good luck to them at Keeneland sales. He'll have to have eyes in the back of his head, that's for sure. The Keeneland September sale, which begins today. And great to have Keeneland aboard as a partner of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Thanks to all my guests today. David Yates is still with me on what's been a a really eventful morning. Uh, Dave has um, something for you for a rather lower key Monday afternoon.
1: It is a low-key Monday. We are going to Newcastle for the 5.30 race and Spirit of Ash. Um, This filly, trained by Tristan Davidson, won on her only previous visit uh, to Newcastle and has run OK since, uh, still is on a, a modest mark of 48, and I hope that the return to Gosforth Park can bring her back to winning form. 5.30 race at Newcastle, selection is number
0: seven, Spirit of Ash. David, thank you very much. Thank you to all my guests. As I say, thank you for listening. If you do enjoy this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review wherever you consume your pods. And uh, we will see you again tomorrow. That was Monday, September the 11th. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Resource Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary.